بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم صل على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته so, Alhamdulillah last week we spoke of some of the virtues of this blessed month the month preceding Ramadan, which is called Sha'ban. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed a lot of barakah and blessings in this month. And I touched on one aspect, and that was a particular night in this month. And uh, we know this as the 15th night of Sha'ban. So today, inshallah, I wanted to speak a little bit more about that because it will be in the coming week, inshallah. And thereafter for the next two weeks before Ramadan, inshallah, we'll talk about the virtues of Ramadan and what things we can do to prepare for Ramadan, inshallah. So, in a hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells us in many a hadith, most of them, of course, and I need to, uh, you know, be clear, they are of the da'if nature, the hadith, but there are also hasan hadith, which is in hadith terminology, they're acceptable hadith as well. So, you know, just because we don't find a sahih, like we hear the term sahih hadith, the most authentic type, rigorously authenticated hadith, does not mean that we cannot follow a particular thing. If there's something that is called hasan, which is a good enough level of hadith to practice on, or a collection, uh, you know, a plethora of da'if hadith, they come together to reach the level of hasan, and then we can... Uh, practice on that inshallah so what i'm going to tell you inshallah you may have heard that you know some of these hadith are weaker in nature but scholars have stipulated and specified that when they come together inshallah because there's so many different narrations this gives it a level of strength inshallah in which a person can practice upon it so in one hadith and a shaykh shu'ib al-arna'ut was a scholar who passed away a few years ago a great muhaddith in our recent times, uh, he said that this hadith is hasan. And in the terminology of, of hadith, hasan is uh, good enough for us to use, inshallah. So this is narrated by Usama ibn Zaid, and he said, Ya Rasulullah, ra'aytukum tasumu fi sha'ban sawman la tasumuhu fi shay'in min ash-shuhur, illa fi shahri Ramadan. So Usama ibn Zaid is the son of Rasulullah in, in the time of Jahiliyyah or Pre-Islam, Nabi Sallallahu had adopted Zayd radiallahu anhu. Of course, later on, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said that uh, you can't really adopt; you can raise people, but you won't really ascribe them to to yourselves. And then I talked about this a few weeks ago: how Zayd radiallahu anhu had married Umm Ayman, and then they had a child, Usama. So he's the narrator of this hadith. And you know, he, his nickname was Hibbu uh, Rasulillah wa Wabnu Hibbihim. The beloved of Rasulullah and the son of the beloved of Rasulullah. Because in a metaphorical sense, Zayd was, was the son of Rasulullah. So metaphorically. So he's like, you know, almost a grandson. So he narrates this hadith. He says, Oh Rasulullah, I see that you fast so much in Sha'ban that you do not fast this much in any other month except for Ramadan. So Ramadan, you fast more than Sha'ban. But other than that, the, the amount that I see you fasting in this month, I don't see you fasting this much throughout the year. And so Rasulullah said, 
this is a month in which lots of people are negligent, they're unaware, they're, they're ghafil. Right? So the Arabic word is ghafil, negligent. Many people are negligent. Why? Because they're getting mentally prepared for Ramadan, and in doing so, perhaps they're eating more, they're trying to relax a little bit, uh, you know, the calm before the storm, if you will. So a lot of people are negligent regarding this month. Said, Baina Rajab. Rajab wa Shahri Ramadan. This is between Rajab and the month of Ramadan, Sha'ban. The the good actions of people is going to be lifted in this month, meaning presented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course Allah knows everything we do, anytime we do it, Allah knows. But there is a formal presentation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is saying that this is the month in which it happens. So imagine all of our good actions or bad actions also. They're going to be formally presented. Right? One thing is Allah knows everything, but this is a, a kind of a hearing or a formal presentation of our actions. I do not wish, words of Rasulullah, I do not wish that my actions are presented before Allah in a formal situation and that I'm not fasting. Meaning I want to be in a state of ibadah, I want to be on good terms when my actions are being looked at. Of course, Rasulullah is always on good terms with Allah Ta'ala. But what does that say for us? Right? Those of us who sin, Rasulullah is free from sin. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has already forgiven before he has even done a sin and he hasn't. So that's his relationship with Allah and he's still saying I want to be fasting when my actions are presented. So what about you and I who just, you know, perhaps our sins are more than our good deeds. Shouldn't we also consider this? This is a sunnah of Rasulullah When our actions are going to be presented, we want to be in a good state with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I mentioned this in a, in a previous khutbah as well, that uh, it's very intelligent as well. I and mean, of course, Rasulullah he knows the deen better than anyone. But if you think about, like, you, you want to be on good terms with Allah when your actions are presented. How do we do that? Right, we could pray, we can, we can make dua. Allah likes it when we make dua. But how long can you and I make dua for? Maybe 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 1 hour, 2 hours we'll fall asleep. We make dua. I, I will fall asleep before that. It's very difficult. Salah, maybe we can pray 10 rakats, 20 rakats. But eventually, we won't be able to do so. The one action that we can do while we're sleeping, while we're awake, while we're walking, talking, working, is fasting. So that is why Rasulullah he says that I want to be fasting when my actions are presented because I could you know just be sleeping, but I'm on good terms when, when my actions are shown to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And really some of the scholars say that he's showing us by doing this. Of course, he, his his terms are really good with Allah. So technically speaking, he might not have to do that. What he's actually doing is he's telling Usama radiallahu anhu, and in terms, you know, he tells other sahaba and and, and Indirectly, he's telling us that do this so that, you know, if you are in bad terms, say, for instance, you know, the actions are presented. There's a lot of sin there. Let's, let's be serious. There's plenty of sin for myself, for you, everyone, right? We're not infallible. We're far from it. So now when, when these actions are presented and there's just sin, 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 one good action maybe, salah, but that wasn't performed with khushu. You tried, but it wasn't good. Allahu Then sin, sin, sin. But at this moment, this slave of Allah is worshipping. 
So then that can override all of that, inshallah. It can make us, you know, get lucky and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on us more by looking at that aspect. So this is, a, this is ta'aleem or the teaching of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Number one in this hadith, he's saying that don't be ghafil, don't be unaware. This is a very blessed month, just like the next one is more blessed, of course, Ramadan. But don't be unaware of this month. Just because we're mentally trying to get prepared for the next month, let us not be unaware. And he's saying that I love to fast in this month. He says, Uhibbu, I love it. So this is something that Rasulullah loves to do. And if we claim, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Qul in kuntum Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Rasulullah Imran, tell the people, if you claim that you love Allah, you claim all of us, we ha- when we say la ilaha illallah, that, that's a declaration of love. It's not just, you know, there's no God but Allah, of course that's what it means. It actually means that we love Allah. There's no one worthy of my attention. There's no one worthy of my ibadah, which is the highest level of love, bowing our heads before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's a declaration of love. If you claim to love Allah, then follow my way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling Rasulullah, tell the, tell the people this. This is the key. And we have to be so thankful that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us step by step exactly what to do to get closer to Him. Just follow Rasulullah. That's all you have to do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to love you. Yuhbibukumullah, He will love you if you do that. So when we say la ilaha illallah, indirectly we're saying, oh Allah, I love you. Now, you know, there's this concept, unrequited love. We hear about this in poetry where this person loves this other person, but then they don't love them back. That's like, you know, considered the, the worst misfortune. You love someone, but they don't love you back. It feels horrible. Now, do we want that with Allah? This is, you know, the one being that we don't want to mess around with. The one who created us. The one who gives us food, clothing, shelter, everything. Now, of course, we're saying we love you, Allah. If our situation is such that we don't get that love back, we're just destroyed. That's worse than anything possible. You know, that's worse than you know, the opposite gender. If it's a, a girl that loves a boy or a boy that loves a girl, inshallah, there's other boys, there's other girls. There's only one Allah. If we miss this opportunity, we miss everything. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that this is the key. I'm telling you right now, you claim to love me, this is how you do it. Follow Rasulullah sallallahu and I will love you and I will forgive all of the sins. So this is a huge sunnah. Uh, well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to follow the way of Rasulullah would, In authentic hadith as well, the fasting of Sha'ban is established. Right? I'm, I'm speaking specifically of the 15th of Sha'ban. That won't be in the Sahih hadith. It'll be in Hassan hadith and many, many da'if hadith, which is you know, good enough, inshallah, for us to take some wisdom from. So Rasulullah said this to Usama ibn Zayd. This is a very Mubarak month. In the month there is going to be a special night as well. And that the actions of people are lifted in this month. Now I want to quote a very great Hadith scholar. Uh, I've had the opportunity of meeting the Hadith scholar in South Africa. His name is uh, Sheikh Fadl Rahman Al-A'zami. He wrote a book on this particular topic, the 15th. Uh, night of Sha'aba, excuse me. So, you know, it, it was written in the Urdu language, but it has been translated. So, I'm just going to read an excerpt of what he says about this night. 
So he says, Shaykh Fadl Rahman al-A'zim, he's still alive, mashallah. A very, very great muhaddith in our age. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve him, as well as all the muhaddithin and great scholars that we have in the world right now. So he says regarding this night, an overview of the various prophetic narrations regarding this night lends credence to the acceptability of the virtue of this night. What he's saying is, if you look at all the hadith, right, there's so many hadith about this, this particular one night, the 15th night of Sha'ban. When we look at all of them, it shows us that there is some kind of virtue. There's so many hadith. The reason being that although these narrations are weak, they are numerous and narrated by a number of companions. So if you have one da'if hadith, okay, we're not going to accept that. If you have 10, 20, that's a lot. There's so many people narrating it. Okay, maybe someone had bad memory here. But then there's another person over here. He's saying the same thing. So it's, it's a whole science how to, uh, you know, understand hadith. And this is, you know, in, in our times we have a stigma, right? We, we see, oh, the word da'if, it's, it's fake. No, it's not a fake hadith. Someone had bad memory in that narration, the, the, the chain of narrators. It's a whole science. But I'm going to continue with his, uh, this excerpt. And he says that there's many companions of Rasulullah who have narrated this. Some are such, some hadith are such, that not much criticism has been leveled at their chain of narrators. There are some hadith that are actually really good quality. Not sahih, but maybe hasan, like the, the narration that I shared with you. Imam Ibn Hibban has included some of these narrators in his sahih. So he, Imam Ibn Hibban was a great hadith scholar. He had a book, a collection of hadith, and it's nicknamed Sahih ibn Hibban. has a different name, At-Taqasim wal-Anwa'. But he put the hadith in there. And his purpose was to collect Sahih uh, hadith. And Hafiz al-Mundiri has remarked regarding the chain of some, that the chain is acceptable. So it's another great scholar who Imam al-Nawawi took a lot of inspiration from. Hafiz al-Mundiri. He puts this hadith in his book of uh, you know, narrations. And he says it's acceptable. And these are great giants of hadith. You know, uh, maybe 500 years ago they lived. And Ibn Hibban way before that. Almost a thousand years ago. So then he says it's acceptable. Therefore, according to the principle of the muhaddithun, the, the, the principles of the scholars of hadith, the excellence of the night of bara'a, that's a nickname that they give, it's actually the 15th night of Sha'ban. This is proven from a conjunction of all of these narrations. When we look at all of these narrations, there is some virtue to this night. That is what he's saying. This is the general consensus of the professors of hadith and Islamic jurists. So the fuqaha as well, who, who talk about Islamic law, as well as the scholars of hadith, they all agree on this. And this is correct. Even Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, the great scholar, we've heard his name many times before. A scholar notorious for refuting such things. He's very strict, Imam Ibn Taymiyyah. If we've heard about him, he, you know, when he hears something, he's going to research it. And then many times he's very staunch against certain things. But even Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, a scholar notorious for refuting such things, also accepts the virtue of the night of Bara'a, or the 15th night of Sha'ban. He says, Imam Ibn Taymiyyah says, so many narrations and reports exist regarding the excellence of the 15th night of Sha'aban that one is compelled to accept that this night does possess some virtue. Imam Ibn Taymiyyah is being quoted here. And, end quote. 
Some of the pious predecessors used to specifically devote this night for ritual prayer. So this is the, the quotation from Sheikh Fadl Rahman al azmis book in which he's highlighting that there is virtue to this night. So if, if you know, we hear someone practicing on it, of course, I'm going, inshallah, I want to talk about some things that we shouldn't do also on this night. This night is meant for basic worship. It's not meant for anything above that. Right? We as Muslims, we take guidance from the Qur'an and the Hadith. That is the main thing. And of course, the scholars, they tell us what the Qur'an and Hadith is saying. Anything that's not found in the Qur'an and Hadith, we stay away from those things. Right? So, uh, I will, inshallah, discuss that soon. But what, what has been established so far is that there is virtue to this night. Now I want to share a few of the ahadith. Some are da'if in nature like I have mentioned. But we can take some understanding from them. So in Musnad Ahmad, this is a very huge collection of hadith. When I studied hadith, I had the opportunity of using Musnad Ahmad. It's, it's very rare you'll find someone who's read the entire Musnad Ahmad. Right? We, we, we study Sahih al-Bukhari, Sahih Muslim, 7,000 hadith, 10,000 hadith. We, we study those, alhamdulillah. You'll find Bukhari is maybe this big. Right? If I was to measure in, in physical size, two handfuls. Musnad Ahmad is bigger than this. <laughs> 30,000, over 30,000 hadith. Huge, it's extremely large. So we, we, we use it. It's very rare nowadays. There are some scholars, they study it cover to cover. That you, you can't find some, but it's quite rare. It's more common that scholars study Sahih al-Bukhari, Muslim, the six major books. Alhamdulillah, we had the, the tawfiq, the ability to study nine different books of hadith uh, in the final year. And before that, also some other books of hadith. But anyway, in Musnad Ahmad, Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, his, his book of hadith. We still have it. I, I once did a program uh, regarding the, the principles of hadith. And so I was mentioning these books and, and someone said, that, you know, where are these books? Do we even have them anymore? They don't exist. I said, no, they do exist. We just don't know about them. Huge collections of hadith. Alhamdulillah, we can, we can brag about this. We have the words of our Nabi intact from a thousand, over a thousand years ago. Imam Ahmad, around the 200s. It's now 1443. So more than a thousand years ago, we have his work still. So anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. Imam Ahmad, in, in his Musnad, he narrates from Aisha, you know, through his chain of narration. She said, one night I missed Rasulullah He was with me. It was my turn to be with Rasulullah So Rasulullah would equally spend his nights with all of the azwaj mutahharat. He was sleeping in the home of Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu anha that night. And oftentimes she would wake up, you know, when, when he was with her. And she would see that, you know, he's gone. And of course, it's very dark. They don't have, you know, light like we do. So then she would start, you know, seeing where he is and where is he. And sometimes he would be in sujood. And he would, sometimes I spoke about this before, he would be in sujood so long that she would think that he, he passed away. So that was the ibadah of Rasulullah. And sometimes, sallallahu alayhi wa what he would do is, he knew that she was worried. He was in sajda for so long, so he would, he would move his foot a little bit, so that she knew that he, he hasn't passed away. Imagine such ibadah, a person that, you know, he's in sajda, you don't know if he's alive or not. That's how long the worship of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And he said, my peace and contentment and happiness, Allah put it in salah. That's how he was able to do that. If we want the same, we have to have that same understanding of salah. Anyway, one night Sayyidah Aisha says that, I was looking for Rasulullah I woke up in the middle of the night, he was gone. And so then I was looking, where did he go? You know, she, she was really worried. And of course she was young and 
you know, there's all this competition between the wives, so he, she thought that maybe he went to go visit another wife. But then she, she saw he wasn't in the masjid, he wasn't nearby. She went to Baqir, which is a graveyard next to Masjid Nabawi. Inshallah, many of you have gone, so you've seen the Jannatul Baqir. It's, it's next to Masjid Nabawi on the outside. She went there. He was there. He was looking at the heavens. Nabi saw her and he knew what happened. He woke up in the middle of the night, so she should have been sleeping. But he said that, do you fear that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has betrayed you regarding uh, Rasulullah? Meaning, do you think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has you know, uh, caused me to pass away? You're very worried about me. So you, you, you've come all the way out to Jannatul Baqi'ah to see, and you found me here. She said, oh, Rasulullah, I thought you, you actually went to your other wives. I, I, was, I was worried about that. So it was far from it. Nabi sallallahu went to the graveyard to make dua. So, you know, she was young. She was a teenager, mashallah, our mother. فَقَالَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلْ يَنْزِلُ لَيْلَةَ النِّسْ مِنْ شَعْبَانِ إِلَى السَّمَاءِ الدُّنْيَا فَيَغْفِرُ لِأَكْثَرَ مِنْ عَدَدِ شَعْرِ غَنَمِ كَلْبِ Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then told her that on Laylatul Nis min Sha'ban, this is uh, the 15th night of Sha'ban, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he descends to the lowest part of the dunya. The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the, the, the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know the hadith. Every night in the, in the last portion of the night, there's a caller. He calls out. In some hadith, it doesn't say who, but in some hadith, Allah appoints an angel to make this declaration. Is there anyone asking for forgiveness? I'll forgive them. Special, a special time. Every night. Is there someone asking for necessity? I'm ready to give it. Is there someone who needs anything? Does anyone want some rizq? I have it here for them. But where are the people? It's like a limited time. Right? When, we, when we find something, you know, this is a limited opportunity. You know, 12 p.m., you have to be at the store. There's going to be a huge line beforehand. Why is it when Allah is telling us that you want rizq, I got you right now. You want any kind of haja, any necessity, I have you right now. Where are we at that time? Right? When Allah's giving it out for free, that is the hajjah time. Where are we? We're sleeping. And that's unfortunate. So anyway, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying in this hadith, he's in Jannatul Baqir, he was making dua for the people who passed away. The Sahaba. And one thing, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam never forgot his companions. This was you know, later on in his life when he was in Medina, around the end of his mission. But those who have sacrificed for the deen beforehand, many years ago in the different battles and died, he never forgot them. So he was making dua for them on this particular night. And he says that Allah's mercy descends on this night. And he forgives people more than the hairs on the sheep of Banu Kalb. So now why, why did Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says this? kalb. Kalb, Banu Kalb was as a, a nation amongst the Arabs. They were very, very famous for having lots of sheep. You know, they, they were shepherds. So he says that Allah forgives more than Banu Kalb who are famous for having sheep. The amount of hairs on those sheep, Allah forgives more than that on this night. So if you want to get your forgiveness, don't miss it. This is a, a limited time deal. We're ready for every other deal, but the deal of Allah Ta'ala, somehow I need to, to rest for work. I need to rest for the next day. Even if we have the day off, I can't function if I don't have my sleep. Allah's given us a limited time deal. Let us ask ourselves, if there was someone giving something for free, some kind of you know, limited time deal, and it's, it's you know, 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. or 4 a.m., 
would we set an alarm for that or not? And I'm not even saying you're going to wake up or not. Would we set an alarm for that? You just wake up and open the phone, you know, press enter and go back to sleep. If we have enough energy for that, if we have enough will for that, then, and we can't do this, then it's not that we're lazy. Unfortunately, there's a deeper issue here. Our iman is weak. That is the real reason. Our iman is weak. Because when we know about the dunya, that there's this special thing that is going to be sold at this particular time, we have faith in that. We know it's going to happen. They're not going to cheat us. Right? We're going to, if I wake up, if I enter, I might not get it, but if I enter the raffle, I may get it. So we have faith that that's going to happen. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it, when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is telling us that this is going to happen and we find ourselves unable to do so, I'm afraid that we ourselves are the ones that are weak here. So this is what is happening here. We have to, we have to you know, introspect, look into our lives like, where is this coming from? How come I can't? How, why is it so hard for me to wake up for tahajjud? Why is it so hard for me to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is it just because I'm lazy? Or it might be something even more dangerous. That my faith is weak. My iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is getting weaker. So let us take this chance, as Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is saying, this month is a blessed month. This is a time to renew ourselves so we don't have to do it in the middle of Ramadan. You don't want to renew yourself in the middle of Ramadan and then only have the barakah of one week of Ramadan. We want to have the barakah of the entire 29 to 30 days of Ramadan. And that's how we do it. We get ready right now. So inshallah this weekend we will have, um, not this weekend, next weekend inshallah. Actually this weekend. I apologize. Imam Sab will uh, give an announcement. Uh, a small seminar on Sunday uh, from 2.30 to 4 highlighting specifically about the 15th of Shaban. Of course, I can't go over it, everything here. Um, but just know that this is a very blessed night in which people get forgiveness. We have a statement from Imam al-Shafi'i, radiyallahu anhu, the great mujtahid and scholar. He said, Imam ibn Rajab in his Lata'if al-Ma'arif, it's a famous book, he records this statement of Imam al-Shafi'i. He says that it has reached us, Imam al-Shafi'i, it has reached us that dua is going to be accepted in, in five special nights. It's more likely your dua is going to be accepted on these nights. Laylatul Jumu'ah, the night before Jumu'ah, last night. If you made dua, inshallah it's going to be accepted. Wal-Eidain, the two Eids, the night before the two Eids. So Eid al-Fitr is the next Eid that's coming up, the night before that. And then Eid al-Adha, the night before that. Wa-Awwalu Rajab. The beginning of Rajab, when is Sha'ban, and the, the middle of Sha'ban, which is what we're discussing here. He said that all of these different things that are narrated in authentic chains, I support those views regarding these nights. So that was Imam al-Shafiri's statement in Lata'if al-Ma'arif of Imam ibn Rajab. Very quickly, I want to mention just briefly, those people who will not get forgiveness on this night. Unfortunately, there will be individuals who will not get forgiveness on this night. And many scholars say that these also apply to Laylatul Qadr. Very serious uh, situation. We know the importance of Laylatul Qadr. Laylatul Qadr, there's no speaking about is it authentic or not. It's in the Quran itself. And this night also, I, I mentioned that it is authenticated in, to some degree. These individuals will not have the forgiveness. Number one, a mushrik. Someone who does shirk with Allah. So someone who... Uh, compares Allah to others and uh, 
meaning does ibadah to something else. Uh, there's, you know, different forms of shirk. I don't want to get into it. Number two, a mushahin is the word used in the hadith. This is a person who hates other Muslims, who has hate, deep-seated hate in their heart for another Muslim. Technically speaking, there was an article that was written for, from our madrasa. I had the opportunity to translate it. Inshallah, we'll share it. It's about 20 pages long on this night. So in there, uh, you know, translated that mushahin, one who, due to their anger and fury for another, and inability to act upon that anger, they suppress ill feelings in their heart until their heart is filled with rage. So another Muslim, you have such horrible feelings towards them, and you can't act it out, you can't you know, act out that rage, so then you start hating them in your heart. So a person who hates other people, this person will not be forgiven. Even on Laylatul Qadr, we have a hadith regarding that. So before that happens, let us forgive people, in our heart at least. Number three, a qatil, murderer, especially a murderer of, of uh, Muslims who are innocent. This, is, uh, this person will not be forgiven. Unless, of course, you know, the doors of Tawbah are open, inshallah. Number four, qati'ur rahim. A person who breaks ties with their family members. You have different family members, perhaps they have done this to you, perhaps you have done this to them. You don't want to talk to them. I don't know you, you're not part of my family. That's it. You've done something so bad, I'm not going to have any connection with you. This person is not going to be forgiven. In the hadith, the sahabi came to Rasulullah and said that, you know, I tried to do silatul rahim to connect ties with my family, and they just ignore me, and they, they do bad to me. And he said, Sulman The person who cuts you off, you connect that. Allah will forgive you, inshallah. If they don't do it, inshallah, then that's on them. You need to make your effort. So, qati'ur rahim, the cutter of family ties, also will not be forgiven. Number five, musbil izar. These are all narrated from the hadith that you know, we have collected. Musbil izar is a person whose, whose lower garment drags on the floor below their ankles so we know the severity of this right and you know one thing is you know fashion and culture but one thing is our deen so let us not you know be deceived regarding this matter there are plenty of ahadith about this person musbil iza then there's other ulama they say that you know this is only if you have the takabur etc but if we want to be safe then at all times do not it's not even for salah some people think it's salah time let me fold up my trousers it's all the time this is not, the hadith doesn't say when you're performing salah, then, then lift up the trousers. How come we can do that for salah, we can't do it any other time? So the musbil izar, he says that this person will not get forgiveness in one hadith. Number six, aqul walidain, person who is disobedient to their parents. The, the feeling, the sentiment of the parents is that this, this son or this daughter of mine does not listen. They are not, uh, you know, obedient to me. This is very important in Islam. One thing to keep in mind, however, is that when it comes to the disobedience of Allah, we don't listen to anyone. If someone is telling us to disobey Allah, then that is not considered aqul walidain. If your parent tells you to do something incorrect, haram or impermissible, then do not listen in that time. But use wisdom and speak to them kindly. Number seven, mudminu khamar. A drunkard, a person who is habitual of drinking alcohol and wine. Number eight, azani. A person who is habitual of fornication or adultery. This is a very horrible sin we know in Islam. And we just had our program before about the, the virtues of nikah and marriage. And one of the wisdoms behind that is Allah saves us from this horrible sin. Number nine, ghash, a deceiver. Very general. A person who deceives other people. 
because of this, this is a quality of the munafiqeen. They lie, they deceive, they tell people things that are not true. This person will also not be forgiven according to some ahadith. And number 10, a musawwir, a person who draws pictures or makes pictures of animate objects. So this is impermissible. We cannot draw live beings in Islam. Yes, you can draw a tree or something that doesn't, is not like, you know, it doesn't have eyes and a ruh. You can draw a tree, etc. Uh, but you cannot draw a human being or an animal, etc. in Islam. So this person will also uh, be uh, severed from that uh, forgiveness. So inshallah, we'll talk a little bit more detail in the program regarding this. Uh, you know, time is very short. So let me just say the things that we should do and we should not do on this night. So now that I've talked about all the virtues, inshallah, we're excited for this night. But things that we should not do on this night. We shouldn't gather in the masjid and, and, and have special prayers in congregation. So we shouldn't uh, gather in the masjid and pray in congregation like a special prayer. Of course, Salatul Isha, Salatul Maghrib, Salatul Fajr, this considers, is considered the night. So definitely come for the masjid for those salahs. But a, a special salah and having a special program, that's not recorded from the, the Sahaba necessarily. So we should try to avoid that. This is a night for individual connection with Allah. So let us not come and, and form a, a special program for this night. Uh, we should try our best to avoid those things. Number two, cook, cooking food and sweets, especially for this occasion. Right, we shouldn't have like a nice uh, da'wah or... You know, things just because of this occasion. Otherwise, we would find the Sahaba and, you know, the Tabi'een doing that. We can, why, why not do it the day before, the day after? It shows us that we are ascribing an extra virtue to this night that has not been recorded in the books. And number three, to decorate the masjid, to, to, to put up lights and all of these different things uh, for the virtue of this night. This night is for individual connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those kind of things we should try to avoid. We should connect individual. Now, things we should do on this night. Worship Allah. If we find it hard to perform tahajjud, come to the masjid for Isha, for Fajr, for Maghrib. That's the night. Maghrib and Isha is the night. Pray in Jama'ah if you find it difficult. Or pray a little bit after Isha, your individual salah. If you can't wake up for tahajjud, make some dua at that time. And if you can wake up for tahajjud, maybe try a little bit more if, you, if you're habitual of tahajjud. Do a little bit more, inshallah. Tilawah of the Qur'an. Let's recite some Qur'an. Number three, dua. Making dua to Allah. This is really important. Asking for forgiveness is a special salient feature of this night. Number four, istighfar. Wa astaghfirullah. Wa atubu ilayk. Saying these kind of phrases and thinking of the forgiveness of Allah. And number five, and this is optional, fasting on the next day. But we'll talk about this in more detail in the program, inshallah. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us barakah, to give us tawfiq, to observe the entire month of Sha'ban, and especially this night, as there are some narrations that highlight the virtues of this night. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq to do this. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness, because we know that we are great sinners in front of Allah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked for forgiveness. What about us? And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq, to prepare for the beautiful month of Ramadan that is coming. اللهم بارك لنا في شعبان وبلغنا رمضان وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى على خير خلقه محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين